Welcome to The Surpassing Worth, a podcast where we study scripture, know Christ deeper, and treasure him above all things. This is your host, Cole. Thanks for joining me. Hey everybody, Cole here with The Surpassing Worth. Welcome back to the podcast. It's episode 30, and you may notice we have video now. If you pull up on Spotify and see some video, we're actually able to draw on the screen, and we are also posting our videos on YouTube. So I'd really appreciate that if you share or like or follow on whatever platform you're listening to. This is a new feature that I'm adding, and I must admit that I've drawn a lot of inspiration from John Piper's Look at the Book series. He basically takes this same idea where he writes on the scripture to really bring out the points that he's making. Uh, but I figured that we could do the same thing, and uh, we'll walk through 2 Corinthians continuing in this format. So if you're just listening to the audio, I think it will be fine. Uh, you'll still get a lot out of it, but I really believe if you watch the videos as well that it'll add a lot more depth and you'll be able to visualize what we're walking through together in Scripture. So this is episode 30. Hard to believe that we are here. I just want to thank you for your continued support. Uh, the title of this episode is The Price of the Gospel. I'm going to read our text for today, and then we're going to dive in and draw on the screen to really bring out the depths and the treasure of God's Word. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 10. He says that we put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray that we would see the price of the gospel in this, that what Paul went through in all the ways in which he persevered, yet the power that you gave him, and even in the times where life didn't make sense, Lord, you gave him strength. And I pray that we would see, Lord, the worth of the gospel is it's worth giving up our comfort. It's worth suffering for. God, it's worth being made a fool of in this world because the treasure is found in knowing you. And Lord, today is the day of salvation. So I pray that, Lord, we would see this in our lives. And God, our lives would be marked by a precious worth of the gospel that would be lived out for whatever cause you call us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So remember, we're coming out of 2 Corinthians 6. 1 through 2, and Paul uh, is coming out of this really amazing uh, text where he is talking about how God has reconciled us to himself. Uh, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And now he's saying, hey, today is a day of salvation. Corinthians, listen to this gospel. Listen to this ministry. And so he goes into this section here where he is once again commending or really establishing the worth and proof of his ministry. And he's going to give us that in three ways. There's going to be 10 
uh, sufferings that he goes through, and this will be marked in starting in verse 4 by great endurance, and it goes all the way to verse 6, so those will be 10 sufferings. Then he's going to give us nine power, uh, powerful uh, ways in which the gospel is promoted, starting with purity and going all the way to the end of these weapons that he talks about. And then finally, he's going to give us nine paradoxes through which his ministry operates that really shows that this ministry is through the grace of God. So I hope that you will see these and understand that the gospel is worth all of these things, and it is empowered by what we see uh, really in verses 6 through 7, but then also even in the midst of trials and unknown and really the paradoxes of life that we find ourselves in. Uh, God is faithful, and it's through his grace that we are able to spread the gospel and live for Christ. So let's look at verse 3. This will kind of be the the purpose statement. Paul says that we put no obstacle in anyone's way. This word obstacle really just means stumbling block. He doesn't want anyone to stumble over his ministry. So the way he acts and the way he carries himself matters. And that's true for us as Christians. The way we carry ourselves in our daily lives matter. And so he says, look, I'm not trying to put any stumbling block in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. He wants the gospel to be front and foremost in his ministry. This is how he characterizes himself. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. So Paul viewed himself as a servant of God. Remember in 2 Corinthians 5, he was compelled by the love of Christ. It was the love of Christ which controlled him and drove every action uh, and, and really why he did ministry, why he gave his life for the gospel was because of what Christ had did for him, that Christ died for all so that all might live for him. And Paul was an ambassador for Christ, a new creation as we are too, as we have been looking at in Second Corinthians chapter 5. So now Paul's saying, look, I'm just a servant of God, and this is how I commend myself to you. Uh, really, this is the proof of my ministry. And this is where we get into the 10 sufferings. I'll just put 10 sufferings here because the gospel, the price of the gospel sometimes comes with sufferings. And so we have by great endurance. So the gospel ministry was hard and tiring at times. So Paul had to endure in afflictions, in hardships, calamities, beatings. We know in Acts 16 that Paul was literally beaten for the gospel by preaching the gospel. He was also put in prison. Uh, This is something that many of our brothers and sisters around the world today are experiencing, uh, being beaten and put in in prison because of the gospel message. It's offensive. There's riots. We see in Acts 17 how uh, Paul caused a big riot in the the town of Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus, when he preached the gospel. The citizens didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to give up their other gods to follow Jesus, the risen Savior. And then Paul says, listen, it's not just these things, but it's also labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. We have given up uh, physical nourishment and physical rest to preach the gospel. I just, I just want to stop here and say, uh, this is the price of the gospel, that sometimes the gospel calls us out of our comforts and calls us into suffering because uh, how is the gospel going to be spread? Through us. And sometimes it's going to offend people, as Paul was beaten and in prison. Sometimes it caused us to give up our physical needs in the moment, sleepless nights and hunger. And this is a reality for many people around the world today. 
This is a reality for our missionaries all across the globe. And I just want to say this is so uh, important and it's so uh, admirable that people are willing to give up these things and suffer through these things for the gospel. So I just want us to know that whenever suffering comes our way, and these 10 sufferings are by no means exhaustive of what can happen in the Christian life, when these 10 things or more come our way, let's know that we are suffering for the gospel, that we are being servants of God. And maybe God is putting you through this if you have been faithful to proclaim uh, the gospel, if you are seeking and praying for opportunities and suffering comes your way, what if that is teaching you to persevere, to endure, and that God is honored through this when we suffer for the gospel? In fact, we suffer with Christ through the gospel. So these are the 10 sufferings that Paul lists. But now he, he goes into the empowerment. So if all of this gets you down, then this is what we have in Christ to persevere through all these things. Listen to what Paul says. He gives us nine empowerments for the gospel. He says, hey, we don't just commend ourselves through all these sufferings, but we also commend ourselves through the power that God has given us to live a godly life for him. He says we commend ourselves by purity, living a pure life for Christ, that Christ has set us apart as different, and he is shaping us to be made more in the image of Christ, of his son. He's given us purity, that we are now new. He's given us knowledge. We have the truth of the gospel in Jesus, in his word, he's given us everything that we need. He's given us patience and kindness. And look, uh, then he goes into the Holy Spirit. And if uh, you've read Galatians, you also know that patience and kindness are fruits of the Spirit. So we must see that these two things, patience and kindness, come from the work of the Spirit. That how was Paul able to endure through all of these things? Well, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as Christians, we have God's presence within us, and he empowers us. He sets us apart. He makes us pure. He gives us knowledge of who Christ is. He allows us and shapes us to be patient and kind with others when there is persecution. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us for ministry. He also gives us genuine love, genuine love for people. You cannot really love people until you have known the love of Christ for you genuine love. This isn't love that has selfish ambitions attached to it. It's love that looks at people like Jesus did in Matthew 9, 36. He looked at the crowds and he saw people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. But then what did he do? He said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers into this harvest. And so when we have been compelled and captivated by the love of Christ, it causes us to look outward at others and to see them as in need of Christ. This is why Paul was doing ministry, is because he had this genuine love that came from the Holy Spirit. So I just want to ask you, do you have that love for other people? When you look at them, maybe a lost person in your work or in your family or at your school, do you see them as in need of the love of Christ? And that genuine love can only come from resting in the love that Christ has for you, that he died for you while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet an enemy of God, he died for you. And that's good news. Okay, so all of these things, and then he continues by truthful speech. Uh, Paul didn't mix uh, error with the truth. He, he spoke the truth in love, but also by how he lived. He wasn't one person uh, when he was out doing ministry and then another person behind closed doors. Integrity is the key here. That uh, 
true ministry, if we want to be effective for God's kingdom, uh, we must have integrity. And that, of course, comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then finally, the power of God. And then he kind of gives us an addendum here to what the power of God means. He says, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Now, we don't know what these weapons of righteousness for the right hand or for the left specifically were, but we can gather from Paul's other writings, really Ephesians 6, when he talks about the armor of God, that the weapons of righteousness likely are simply faith, uh, love, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of truth, or the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth, excuse me, and really the gospel fitted on our feet for peace. And so there's a cross-reference there with Ephesians 6. But we should understand that this is simply military language to, to say, hey, look, we're going through a battle that oftentimes this life is hard. And if you live it for the gospel, you will be persecuted. And so we need those weapons of righteousness. They're not physical weapons, but they're weapons of righteousness, knowing that we have uh, the truth of righteousness by faith in Christ, that Jesus has given us his righteousness. And, and we use that. We use the word. We use the gospel as our uh, weapon, not in a combative way, but as a way, like Hebrews 4 says, that the word of God cuts to the bone and marrow, that when we are faithful to sow the word, uh, we let the word do the work. And so we have these weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Okay, so we've seen these 10 sufferings uh, up here, and now we have seen these nine empowerments. And so let's finally get into these nine paradoxes that Paul gives us in verses 8 through 10. And I hope what you see through this is that it's God's grace that empowers us and fuels us through everything that we may face as Christians. Okay, so Paul finally, he says, we commend ourselves now through these nine paradoxes. And I want you to see these. He says, through honor and dishonor. So what does he mean by that? Well, he knows that in Christ, uh, Christ has lifted him up. Uh, we have been uh, bought by the blood of Jesus and adopted into the family of God. And so in that sense, we have been honored that Jesus has brought us into his kingdom. Yet there's also dishonor because when he preaches the gospel, when we live for Christ, we are dishonored. People persecute us or mock us. And so there's this paradox here of honor and dishonor. The same thing, slander and praise. Now, I don't think Paul was wanting the praise of men. Uh, but rather, maybe this means that, uh, that what God has said about him, who we are in Christ, that we uh, have a new identity, but also when we preach the gospel, people slander us. We are treated as imposters and yet are true. This is a very interesting phrase. You know, in Paul's ministry, there were people that were out to just get him. There were people that were out to destroy his work and called him imposters. In fact, this is what was happening in the Corinthian church, that there were those called super apostles or false apostles coming in and calling Paul's ministry bogus. And sadly, this happens, that when there is faithful ministry done, there will be people that will come and seek to undermine that ministry. And I just love what he says in response to this. He says, yes, there are those people who call us imposters, and yet we are true. We know that before God, uh, we are living a pure life. We are seeking to follow Jesus with all of our heart. And so we leave that to God. If there are people that uh, malign us or mock us for our faith, we know that before God, we are seeking uh, to live for him. It comes back to that integrity that we talked about. In verse 9, uh, 
as unknown and yet well-known. I love that. <laughs> Paul Paul wasn't out to be famous. He says, we were unknown by, by all the world's standards. And I love this, that Paul just went around town to town, city to city, and he preached the gospel. He didn't care about his name. He was there to lift up the name of Jesus. And like John the Baptist says in John 4, that I must decrease and he must increase in our lives. So uh, the gospel is not for making people famous. And sadly, in a lot of people today, uh, especially in America, the gospel makes people famous. And uh, there are celebrity pastors and celebrity Christians who uh, use the gospel uh, as a platform for their success or for making their name known. But, But Paul wasn't about that. He says, look, the gospel made me unknown, and yet I'm well known because Jesus knows me. That's such a sweet truth that we don't have to seek to be something in front of other people. We don't have to build our platform because we are known by the God of the universe. I was reading Psalm 139 earlier this week about how God knit us together in our mother's wombs, how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And he knows when we rise and when we sit down that this God knows us. And Christian, if he has saved you, if he has given his son for you, how much more is he for you in your daily life? He knows what you need. Like Jesus said, uh, God feeds the birds of the field and he clothes the flowers. He knows you. He knows your need. So keep on going. You may not be known in the world, but for your God, you are known. And that that is amazing. As dying and behold, we live. This is an interesting phrase. And we saw this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, how Paul considered that his ministry was often a dying with Christ, that the sufferings he faced, the sufferings that we just listed earlier, Paul saw that as an opportunity to die with Christ. How often do we see our sufferings in that way, that we are dying to this world, we are dying to our earthly desires, and behold, we live with Christ. Often we just view our sufferings as uh, really distractions or interruptions of what we think the good life should be. But Paul says no. We die, and behold, we live. Every suffering you go through is worth it because it's teaching you to die to yourself and live to Christ, to cling to Christ. All right, let's continue. As punished and yet not killed, and so uh, Paul wasn't killed for his faith in this way, yet uh, tradition says that he was martyred eventually at the hand of Nero, Uh, so he is punished. There were things he went through, but he was not yet killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Paul recognized that Ministry for Jesus often came with a lot of sorrow because you saw so many lost people continually rejecting Jesus, but yet he always rejoiced. Where can that joy come from? Where in your life can that joy come from? It has to come from a deep-seated awareness and knowledge of who Jesus is for you in the gospel because life's going to change. Your life's going to go up and down, but God never changes. And the truth of the gospel, who God is for you in Christ, will never change. There is always cause for rejoicing because Jesus is with us. He is for us. Nothing can separate us from his love. We are ambassadors. We are new creations. His love compels us. And so when the weight of the world bears down on us, when even when we are seeking to live for Christ, it brings sorrow and despair in our lives, we can always rejoice. doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Remember in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, we saw how Paul despaired of life itself, but yet he always rejoices because he knows that God is with him. As poor, yet making many rich. I love that paradox. Uh, Paul, at many times, was uh, monetarily and physically poor. Uh, He traveled around for the gospel, and 
Uh, he wasn't compensated very well. But yet, he, his goal was to make many rich, to make many rich spiritually. To know Christ is the greatest treasure we can have. Uh, the kingdom of God is like a man who found a great treasure and he went and hid it in a field because that is how precious Jesus is. That if you have nothing in this world materially, but yet you have Jesus, you have everything you need. You have eternity. And that's good news. And then he, he kind of adds to that as saying, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Isn't that so rich that you can have nothing in this world, yet if you have Jesus in your life, you have everything you need. And that's such a good truth. This is the price of the gospel. Everything that Paul says here, all these sufferings that he went through, all of these empowerments that encouraged him to continue on in his ministry, and then all of these paradoxes that we just walked through. This is what Paul went through for the gospel. And I encourage you that whatever you go through, the gospel is worth it because you can have nothing in this world, yet you possess everything in Christ. And that is good news. Oh, 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 oh,